Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. speak your word as I feel that you have placed it in my heart, but also that we would all 
receive your word and apply it to our lives in a very practical sense. We ask you to be our strength and our help now. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated if you'd like. I don't know why we say be seated if you'd like. I think most people always take us up on that. <laughs> the process of um, maturing is a very amazing thing. And if, especially if you consider our state when we're born. A child arrives into this world completely and utterly, totally helpless. We have to have someone do everything. We can't feed ourselves. We can't clothe ourselves. We can't keep warm or be cool. We have no knowledge or um, no ability to speak, at least in intelligently. We can't intelligently communicate. We can't use our hands in a coordinated fashion or our feet. And so we have to learn all of those things. But it's just amazing um, to watch human beings mature, especially I'm talking about infants, babies. And, and um, over the course of many years, we've had all of us the privilege of watching not only our own children, but other children's, uh, other people's children mature. And, uh, and so for some who only have the opportunity to see one another a couple or a few times a week, uh, it just seems like some of those steps are just gigantic. And in a, in a moment of time, they're just an infant being cradled in someone's arms, and then the next news you know, they're crawling, and then after a while, they're walking across the front of the church, and in a little while, they're communicating and speaking. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It happened in all of our lives. And so when we consider the complete an utter state of helplessness when we're born to, and how quickly in many respects that maturing process begins to develop, it's amazing at the things that we learn. For those of us who are raised in a family or in a culture where we speak English, you don't have to take any English classes, you just learn it. And uh, you're just exposed to it and Children begin to communicate, and they communicate in that language. And the process continues, hopefully, all throughout life. We grow not only in our knowledge, but we grow in our ability because all of life's experiences teach us something. They're teachable moments, teachable moments. In recent days, I've had the opportunity to talk with a friend who has gone through a, a little bit of a difficult process, and, and so... Uh, sometimes you wonder kind of how somebody's going to come out the other side of some of these things. And if you're a, uh, certainly if you're a friend, you want to be concerned about things like that. And uh, in the process of talking about that, I was thrilled to hear them say, in all of this, I've been able to learn a few things. Amen. And so it's a wonderful thing not to just allow things to jade us and... Uh, and to cause rigid and sharp areas in our life, but to realize that we can learn something from this. And so I believe all of life's experiences, positive or negative, if we are, if we are honed into that, we can learn how to do something. 
And so if we're healthy, we keep growing and maturing, and it's just the journey of life. There's good times and there's bad times, and, uh, and there's times of plenty and times where there's not so much. But I believe just as it is in a natural life, so it is in a spiritual life, and it's in the spiritual journey. And, and uh, you just, just like we had to learn how to live in the world, we certainly learn how to live for God. And so we look at someone's life that we think perhaps has mastered the art of serving God and we wonder if we'll ever be there and if there's any keys to success and if there's any secrets to all of this. And, and in truth, there, there's not really any keys or any secrets. It's just a matter of allowing the Lord to help us mature and just growing him, growing him a little alone. We have to learn how to walk spiritually just like we learned how to walk physically. I've never seen a child that didn't in the process of learning how to walk that didn't fall down in the process of falling down you're going to have skinned knees and bruised elbows and you're going to have uh, bruised egos and you're going to get hurt feelings that's just sort of the process and so it is in our spiritual growth with God times of failure and times of success times where we can be wounded spiritually and times where our own spiritual ego can be wounded but in all the process of that, if we'll just put it in the hand of God, we're growing incrementally alone and alone. We have to learn to walk with God. Amen. We didn't start out this way. And so that's the focus of our text this evening. And, and uh, Paul is kind of pointing us in a direction that we might walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. You know, the, the Bible talks about uh, in the principle of the Lord's Prayer, there are some wonderful things that we can take away from that. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Often when we think about keeping the name of the Lord hallowed or holy, help me to walk in a fashion that would always keep your name holy. Amen. Before others and before the Lord. And so verse number 10 says that we might walk worthy of the Lord. And so the idea here that Paul is giving us is that our spiritual journey with God is a walk and that is a very scriptural principle this walk that we're on our spiritual life it really is a journey and we walk the pathway that God has set before us to please him now the the things that you encounter in life are certainly not the things that I encounter and vice versa so that's why Paul said in another passage let us run the race that is set before us and so I have my life to live and my race to run and, and uh, God is going to give us each and everyone collectively and individually the strength to do that in our own life. And so as we walk with the Lord, we walk with God down the path that he has set before us. And so our calling as a born-again believer is to live our lives in such a way that God can be glorified. Amen. How can the Lord get glory in this? And so we have to learn how to walk in a way that, that is pleasing to the Lord in what we say and do, not just when we're in the house of God or when we're doing spiritual things, but then in everything that we can be pleasing to the Lord. And so I think that's something that God desires to teach us. So in our text, Paul shared with these Christians his desire to see them as a spiritual shepherd or a spiritual influencer in their life. He had a desire to see them achieve this goal. And so I want to look at some of the characteristics that he mentioned and uh, we'll just walk through a few of these verses here this evening together. I believe that we are called to walk with God with an, in, a, in a manner that uh, creates in our own life 
an ever-increasing knowledge of the Lord. I don't ever want to reach the place that I feel like I've got it all. I've learned everything there is to learn. If we're going to walk in a way to please God, then I've got to walk in a way with a sense of openness that I can always increase my knowledge of Him, ever learning. In, in, the, in verse number 8, Paul said that he had been told of their great love for God and their love for His Word. And so that is what's prompting Paul to even write to this church because he said, I've heard so many wonderful things, and so let me encourage you to continue to walk in that. And so he follows that statement up with these words, beginning in verse number 9. He said, from the day we heard it, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. We have not stopped asking God, if, if you're hungry, then Lord, just pour it on them. Just open the windows of heaven. And so in the, in the language of the New Testament, to be filled means to be controlled by, not just full of, but to be controlled by. And so the emphasis of Paul's prayer was that we needed to grow in the knowledge of God. So we need to know his will. And I, I want to I define that for me in my life. I want to find that, whatever it may be, and I want to commit myself to that. And I can't worry about what God has called someone else to do or the will of God in somebody else's life. I've got to follow the will of God for my life. Amen. So I need spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. And, and I need not just a cap full of that or I don't just need that on Monday, but I need to, a, a saturation of that to understand that the Spirit of God is going to be the guiding force in my life. David prayed, order my steps in your word. Amen. That ought to be our prayer every day because we need more and more of spiritual wisdom. Simon Peter had a similar instruction in his writings in 2 Peter 3.18. He admonished his readers to grow in grace and in the knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we need to grow in grace. I believe there are two ways to do this, of course, perhaps more, but... One of them would be to learn more about the Lord, to learn all that we can about Him. I believe the primary source of educating ourselves about the Lord is His inspired Word, the Bible. Amen. You can't hear enough preaching, enough teaching. You can't read too much of the Word of God. Amen. That, that desire to, to know more about Him and His Word. I don't want to embarrass Brother Wayne Williams here this evening, but... A few uh, weeks ago, or I think back in the month of August, several of us were in Tampa uh, at, a, uh, at a prison conference and, uh, that was being held there. And so there, were, there was a night service, and then uh, we stayed overnight in a hotel, and then the next day there were some sessions. And so uh, the next morning, my wife and I uh, got up, and we were walking out of the lobby, and, and I just looked over in the lobby, and I saw Brother Williams, and uh, he was sitting there, on a, one of the little couches there in the lobby, and he had some earbuds in his ears. And if you've seen Brother Williams' Bible, then you know it's just been opened a time or two. And uh, and so he was holding his Bible and reading the Word of God and listening to the Word of God, and it touched my heart. It really did. And I began to think about here a, a man that has been holding that book for many many years, reading that book for many many years, but there was something. In his heart. Now he didn't know I was coming through the lobby. So he didn't run downstairs so he could try to impress me or anybody. 
And uh, he wasn't sitting in a fashion where people had to walk around him. He just happened to be sitting over there. And I'm thankful for people in my life that have taught me how to have a learning, a, a desire to learn more and to go back to that book again and again and again. Many years ago, I heard a minister share a principle. I be, I'd never heard that before, but I did start practicing that from that day forward. I have some Bibles that I write in and make notes in and highlight and all sorts of things, but I try to keep some Bibles in my life that I don't do that in because there is a tendency when you have a scripture highlighted for your eyes to just kind of gravitate right there. And so I don't want to just open the book and kind of gravitate to the same passage or to the same story because I want to know everything that's in that book. I want to read above it and I want to read below it. And I thought that was a neat study principle that he gave. And so on, in, in the pages of God's word, we discover more about him than anything else we could ever read. I've, I've got many, many books and uh, enjoy reading things that encourage me and inspire me. But I want to tell you, there's just nothing like the word of God. The word of God is our strength. It is our source of hope. And so his message uh, of the entire Bible, I believe we can find it, even the Old Testament, the New Testament, and how they link and confirm one another. So therefore, we've got to study the Word of God. And can I say it again? We need to learn how to meditate on the Word of God, to think about that. And that is more and more difficult of the day and age in which we live. But we need to read that and read some passages of Scripture and then just think about what we've read and let that absorb into our, the fiber of our spirit. We've got to allow the Bible not, to only, not only to inform our thinking, but the Word of God needs to change our mind, reformat our mind. And, and we may think one way or feel one way, but if it's not in a line with the Word of God, then we need the Word of God to be able to have the liberty to reprogram our thinking. Amen. And so we've got to learn more about Him. But I think we've got to do more than just read the Word of God and We've got to do more than just learn about him, but we've got to experience the Lord. You can read all kind of things about the Grand Canyon, and you can just give yourself to the study of it, and you can know uh, almost every square mile of that and be able to give a little bit of knowledge about that, and you can do all of that from home and never experience it. Amen. And, and, and many, many other things in life we can have a lot of knowledge about. And have zero experience in it. But when you experience something, there's something about the power of being there. I've heard of the Rocky Mountains all of my life. I've heard of a lot of things all of my life. But until I experienced it, it came alive. It was more than just a picture on, a, on the wall or a story in a book. But there you are standing right at the very intersection where many, many... Uh, historical things in our nation have taken place and so there's something about experience and so walking with God is not just an intellectual pursuit to see how much of the scripture we can just memorize or retain in our heart at some point we've got to experience the word of God and the will of God and so we're not just somebody we should not just be somebody that knows a lot about the Lord but we need to be somebody that really is in relationship with the Lord amen Christianity is not merely to be studied, but it is something to be experienced. The Bible is not just a book of information, but the Bible is a place to meet God and for His promises to be true. When I think about prayer and, and I think about the privilege that we have been given to pray and to understand the concept of prayer, 
to understand that in prayer, this is where God and man can communicate. I'm I'm overwhelmed by that very idea that I could speak with the Lord and the Lord would hear me. And so as we look in his word and we follow those principles, God can speak to us by his spirit because the Bible is a book that is alive. Amen. It's a holy book and its pages are marked by the presence of a very living God. I'm thankful to know a living God. Amen. And so we need to experience the Lord in order to know more about his grace. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, which is the same author, Paul, the Apostle Paul, but Paul said in Philippians 3.10, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Now there's a broad chance that many of you are familiar with that passage of scripture. Paul said that I may know him. I think an interesting footnote about this particular passage is that by the time the Apostle Paul had written the book of Philippians, he had already written most of the New Testament. And so this is a man who was mature. This was a man who had walked many miles of the Lord. This was a man who was highly anointed of God. And he had been walking with the Lord for a long time. As a matter of fact, I don't think there would be a lot of debate about this statement that the Apostle Paul was most likely one of the most knowledgeable disciples at his time. Amen. And yet he said that I may know him. We might think that that is in the context of a new convert, that I might know him. But this is a man who had walked many, many miles, and he said that I may know him, that I may know him. It would seem like if anybody knew the Lord, that the apostle Paul would have known him. Amen. So it's in, it's important also to understand that Paul wasn't indicating that I've been walking with him all this time and don't know him. That's not what he was indicating at all. He said, I've been walking with him a long time and I want to know more. I want to know more about him. I don't think tonight that you came to this building to try to get a little gold star by your name, but I believe that we came with an agenda to know more about the Lord. I want to know something else just to hear something else. Paul knew that the more he discovered about the Lord, the more there is to discover. The more you know, the more there is to know. And so here is our challenge. we got to walk in this ever-increasing knowledge of the Lord. The most dangerous thing we could ever do is to reach some pinnacle and say, I'm done. And I'm just going to show up for head count from now on. I've got everything I want to get. Amen. That would be a very dangerous thing. We must not only walk with an ever-increasing knowledge, but I believe that we've got to walk in such a way that our life bears fruit of the experience we claim to have. Amen. You know, one of the most... One of the greatest things that I am ever confronted with um, by people, maybe we may, I don't know, classify them, maybe necessarily say non-believers, but critics or cynics, that people say, you know, preacher, I'd go to church, but I just know too many hypocrites that claim to be something on Sunday, but you see, the problem is I work with them on Monday. Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to sound catty, but I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm confronted with that again and again and again and again, over and over and over and over, because people are watching. And they're not impressed with the Bible under your arm or the cross around your neck. 
what they're impressed with is what's in our heart when nobody's looking. Amen. To do the right thing, we've got to bear fruit in our life. And so in verse 10, Paul said that we would be fruitful in every good work, that there would be fruit of what we're talking about. So Christianity is about living for the Lord, not just thinking about Him or not just talking about Him. And so it's true that we need to meditate and we need to have time in prayer, we need to have time in the Word, but there is a way that we can share that experience in a practical fashion with others. In other words, we got to put our faith into practice. And so that's what Paul meant when he said that we need to be bearing fruit in every good work. Now there are two kinds of fruit uh, basically that we would and we would and should manifest as a child of God. There's an inner fruit. That inner fruit we find defined for us. It's not a mystery in the book of Galatians. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul lists here love, joy, and peace, and things like patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those are things that are that's fruit on the inside. That's not something hanging out, but that's something that's inside. There should be something for the world to see, a gentleness and a love and a compassion and patience and, and those inner fruit that are developed on the inside. Amen. That's fruit that is transformative to our nature that transforms who we used to be into what we've been called to be. Amen. I, I, I want to just say again, a lot of people have said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just like this because that's just how we are genetically. Our whole family's like this. Well, that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse that holds water anyway. It's not, it doesn't hold merit at all because we have to be transformed by the Word of God. And so when we get that inner fruit growing in our life, where there wasn't peace, there is peace. Where there was no joy, there is joy. Where there was no patience, there is now patience. Where there was no gentleness, there is now gentleness. Where there was no self-control, there is now self-control. Because we've been transformed. We become more like the Lord on the inside. And that's fruit that's being referenced. And that's the fruit that's being referenced in Paul's writing in Galatians. This inner fruit, I promise you, will eventually manifest itself in outward actions. Because you can't have all that inward fruit growing and the manifestation of that not start showing on the outside, which is the other fruit, and that's outer fruit. That inner fruit growing in our lives is going to produce something in our heart, in our faith, in our walk with God, and it will manifest itself visibly. It'll change how we walk. I'm not talking about the gate of how we walk, but it'll change how we walk. It'll change where we desire to go. It'll change what we do in our life. Amen. It'll change how we, how we, our conversations. It'll change how we talk. It'll change how we dress. It'll change what we entertain ourselves with. And the list could go on and on and on and on and on and on because there's something growing on the inside. When we, when we look at what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So here's our challenge. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Some people get hung up on the works issue and think, well, it's just all about works. No, it's not all about works, but we are admonished to let people see our good works. Amen. Something ought to be manifested in our life that people can visibly see from across the room, down the way, 
Amen. Something that's in our life that can be seen. Jesus wanted us to show the world by our walk that we are followers of the Lord. And that's how we let our light shine. So when people see us living out our faith, that's going to be a positive reflection on the Lord. Another thing that he admonished them is to walk in spiritual power. We've got to walk in increasing knowledge. We need to walk in a way that there's fruit that's being born and in our life. But we also need to walk in spiritual authority. In Colossians 1 and 11, he said, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Now this, I believe, is the key to everything because we must be strengthened by the power of the Lord if we are going to live the Christian life in the first place. Because without the power of God, I promise you this, you can't do it. Amen. We may try to live a good life. We may try to be a good moral and good ethical person. But I'm going to tell you, you can't come up to the principles of the word of God with just sheer human willpower. We need the anointed power of God. Amen. It takes the power of God to live for God. We've got to have his authority and his power in our life. Earlier, I mentioned that Paul said he wanted to know the Lord. In that same passage, he also said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And so when we come to the Lord, we receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. That Holy Ghost is the power to live a supernatural life. Amen. It's the power to have a transformation take place in our life. I'm going to tell you something tonight. Whether you know it or not, there's some changed lives that are sitting in this room right here tonight. Amen. If we could just kind of pull back the curtain of time and see where some, amen, where all of us were in our lives. Amen. Just a few years ago, I know sometimes people walk in and they see everybody in their in their church clothes and everybody's cleaned up and dressed up and smiling. We're all singing and praising the Lord. But if you could go back just a few years, you would be surprised what you would see in this house. If you could just lift the veil. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the transformation that the Spirit of God has brought in our lives my 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 amen God has given us the power to resist temptation the, the power to enable us to live a life that's dedicated to him it's not our willpower at work but it's the supernatural power of God spiritual power and we've got to have that Jesus himself told the disciples he said you need to go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high Amen. Now listen, he was talking to men that were hand-picked. He was talking to men that had walked with him for three years. They had been personally trained and mentored, if we were to use a, a more modern word, mentored by him. Amen. Now they had been given the commission to go and propagate this gospel, but he said, but you can't do it on your own. You need to go and to Jerusalem and go to the upper room. And, you, and there he said, you just tarry or you wait because he knew you can't do this without the power of God. Amen. So he told them to wait. And in Acts number 1, chapter 1 and verse number 8, he, that's what the scripture says, By this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. But we need the power of God at work in our life. They knew the truth. They had walked with truth in a literal sense. They knew truth personally. 
But they needed to be endued, imparted. They needed the power of God. They needed more than just to be able to tell some stories and share some knowledge. They needed the experience that God was going to give them. Amen. Because they were going to need not a one-time touch, but they were going to need an ongoing touch of the Lord. That's why I'm thankful for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad it's Jesus on the inside working on the outside. That means that when church is over, inevitably tonight, we're going to reach a point where we've got to close the doors and turn out the lights. And we're all going to have to go back home. And we're going to get up tomorrow and go to our appointed places, wherever that may be. Amen. I'm thankful that I don't have to wait until Sunday to get his power with me again. But I'm glad that I'm going to take that power home. Amen. I got that power the moment I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you got that power the moment you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the ongoing power and presence of God. That's what his power is. We're told that the power gives us the ability to endure. And I believe there's some people that have endured tonight that could say amen to that. It wasn't our own sheer power and will or our own sheer willpower or strength but it was the anointing of God that just helped us to stand when the world was saying sit amen it was the power of God that kept us pushing forward when the winds of adversity were pushing back I'm thankful for the power of God Amen. We have, and then we we got to have that endurance in our heart if we're going to be successful in our walk with God. Because I'm going to tell you, hard times will come. They always do. We're not immune from difficult times. Amen. But we walk in the power of God, and the power of God brings us hope in the midst of hard times. We're told that this power gives us patience, and patience, endurance, and they go hand in hand. The idea here is that we have this confident trust in the Lord that produces something in us that we can just keep pressing on. Amen. I I believe I'm speaking to people that have walked a few miles when heaven seemed like it was brass. Amen. There wasn't that rushing mighty wind blowing through our life every moment. Amen. We were just standing on the word of God. Amen. Finally, I believe that the Lord has called us to walk in, a, in not only knowledge and not only should we have a walk that bears fruit, not only should we have the Spirit of God actively at work in our life, but I believe that we also should walk and live in a spirit and a mindset of thanksgiving. Amen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very serious because giving thanks is a very significant characteristic of being a true Christian. To know just how much we have to be thankful for. Amen. Of all the people on the planet, somebody that knows the Lord ought to be the most grateful man, woman, boy, or girl walking the face of the earth. When you think about all that God has done, I'm, I'm going to tell you, we couldn't, we couldn't sit down and write it all down. We couldn't tell it if we could talk till the dawning of tomorrow. All that God has done. Amen. Giving thanks, I believe, is such a wonderful characteristic of and testimony when we think about what the Lord has done for us and share that with others. Of course, the greatest blessing that we've ever received is His Spirit. Amen. I'm thankful to be saved. And so I'm I'm thankful that God didn't just give me that experience, but I'm I'm grateful for that continued blessing of the Lord. 
Because when we think about what God has done, how could, how could we not say thank you, Lord? No matter what the circumstances, amen, sometimes it's not good circumstances, but aren't you thankful that even sometimes in the midst of difficult seasons, we can feel the presence of God and His hand and those times that God just confirms His will in our life. I'm thankful for those moments. I want to ask you to stand, if you will. Tonight, giving thanks, I believe, is a form of worship. Tonight, we begin our service, and our musicians and our singers, amen, they just so wonderfully help create an atmosphere where we could just feel the presence of God. And in our singing and our praise and worship, we were really just saying thank you. Use a lot of other words, a lot of other expressions, but if we just pushed everything out of the way, what we were really trying to say was thank you. Those two words in my lifetime, and I'm, I'm confident in yours, have just seemed to fall woefully short. Someone has done something very kind. God has moved remarkably in our lives. And, and it just seems like the most we can say is thank you. You can't capitalize on that. You can't improve that really in many ways. But I believe that we ought to always be thankful for what the Lord has done. And, and when we are grateful for the things that the Lord has done, that in and, in and of itself is such a testament and testimony of what God is doing in our life. Others look around and they see that thankfulness and that thanksgiving. And so Christianity is just not something you must be or do because you can't, you can't do it without being it. You've got to have it in your heart. Amen, and you, you, we, we must have the Spirit of God moving to transform us. I'm thankful for the power and the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful for His Word. You know, I, I, I will say this in close, but many, many times I've been in services where someone would perhaps read a very familiar text and then just stood in absolute amazement as God just begin to peel back one more dimension of a truth that we felt like we already understood. <laughs> Amen. Your affirmation of that confirms what I'm saying. That you've been right there. Someone could turn to the 23rd Psalm and take that as their text. We could fold our arms and say, I've already heard that. We could form the opinion that there's nothing new here and then, and then just somehow through the course of that anointed delivering, the Spirit of God can just open our eyes to see a little bit more of Him, that we know Him and we experience Him in a different way. And so I want to, as Paul said, I want to walk worthy of the Lord. I want to walk in a fashion that would be admonishing someone, create a desire in somebody to say, you know what, I don't know what they have, but that's what I want. Amen. I'm going to tell you as a young man, and I've shared this before, but I've never been more sincere. As a young man, I can remember seeing couples, maybe middle-aged couples or sometimes even older couples, married couples, and they had just such a light and a glimmer in their eyes. And 
and, and it just created a, a desire. That's what I wanted. Because I'd also met couples that hated each other. Wanted to kill each other the first opportunity. Like, I don't want that. I want that. I want to be able to go to sleep in peace. <laughs> no, I got a good chance of waking up in the morning. <laughs> I mean, we need to live a life that would create in somebody to say, I, I, want, I want that. Amen, I want that. I really want that. I want to share a story. I said I was closing. I'm going to share a story. I don't, I don't want to get too detailed here, but um, I was in, many years ago involved in a little minor um, automobile accident, and um, there was a law enforcement officer that drove up, and he was just cursing and, oh, foul, foul, horrible, horrible language. And... Um, he was talking about the other person that was involved in the accident. He didn't realize I was the other person. And I was just standing there overhearing this. And so finally when, um, when he figured out that I was the other person involved, um, he said, well, you just talked so horribly to me. And he just said, you just go sit down over there. And I just felt embarrassed the way he was talking. You, you go sit. I'll get to you in a minute. I called my wife. And I said, well, you really need to pray because we got a man here off the chain and I'm, I'll allow it to be in the clink here before it's over with. And, um, and so um, she obviously prayed and I was praying. <laughs> I don't think she outprayed me because I was standing there. And so he comes over there in a little while and he starts questioning me and finally he says, well, what do you do? What, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. His next words were, he stuck his hand out and he said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in total shock. He said, well, praise the Lord. He said, I'm a born-again Christian too. And, and uh, so now, because <laughs> he's kind of softening up, I'm not challenging him because I'm thinking... There's a prayer going through somewhere. I'm going to leave this alone. And before it was over with, he said, you know, I feel like the Lord gave me this job so I could be a light for him. I wasn't confirming or denying. I was just trying to get out of there. I'm just going to be honest with you folks. But I'm just going to tell you, that wasn't a way to let your light shine. I don't care how spiritual it all ended <laughs> Amen. Let your light so shine. What I thought was the tragedy about all that, besides the obvious, is that I was the only one that heard the other side of that story. There were two dozen other people that heard him cussing me like a dog. Amen. I wasn't even at fault. Just let your light so shine. That we walk worthy, worthy, worthy of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. When we walk out of a room, people ought to say, there went a good person right there. That was a good man, a good woman. That's, they live what they talk about. Amen. I'm not talking about for the praises of men. Whether they ever utter that out loud in their heart, 
they ought to know that something just was in their presence what worthy of the Lord. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for the privilege to be in your house. And what an humbling opportunity it's been to share your word tonight. And I, I'm asking you this evening to let the power of the Holy Ghost This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.